If your restaurant wants to put the best on the table, look for food with the New York State Certified Seal. It's food that is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 7 of Why Food. I'm your host, Patrick McAndrew. Why Food is all about people, their connection to food, and the story of why they left their previous life or career path to now find themselves immersed in the food industry. I'm honoured to sit here and meet such compelling people who are, ex- who exem- who are examples of how, the, how broad the food industry is in the 21st century, and today's guest exemplifies the show's tagline, One Industry Fits All. Shentong was, was one of the student leaders in the democracy movement at the Tiananmen Square in 1989. Years later, he was also an active participant in the Occupy Wall Street movement. He's also a software inventor, entrepreneur, serial investor, social activist. But most recently, Shen is the founder of two impactful food accelerators, Food Future Inc. and FoodX. Shen, thank you very much for joining me on Why Food. Happy to be here. We actually just rebranded called Food Future Call. As in collaborative, yeah, okay, community, yeah. Now I have to say, well, first of all, I suppose I should tell you this because I I haven't told you this, but when I I moved to New York a year and a half ago, and I moved here, I had done corporate law, and I wanted to get into food. I worked with uh, startup companies for seven months in an enterprise center in Ireland, Uh and I had great interest in food because I I spent a year abroad in Toulouse. That's where I got my connection to food. So I came out here and I wanted to do something impactful because that's kind of what I grew up with, that food was very important. If you use food to heal yourself, food was the basis of, of humanity. You kind of started food and worked your way up. So I came out here to try and get into it with no real experience in it and no general idea of what I wanted to do. We won't hold that against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> a good we'll idea. be actually back in Toulouse in a week. Really? That's, that's, we're going on a trip with my son to Italy in uh, 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 Bologna area in a thousand euro farm. Actually, it's a, a partner we're developing for farm education, kind of like Stone Barn, but you know, thousand year old in northern Italy. And then a road trip up to, uh, to Dijon, where I'm going to speak at the National Convention for Food in France. Okay. Yeah, Toulouse is, Toulouse is brimming with, the, with food. Um, it's not really a tourist place, I don't think, but yeah. to live there, there's so much going on in terms of food and drink. And the reason why I got access to it was I was running a gastropub with my friend, oh, and it was okay. owned by a couple. So it was a small operation, and it was the two of us that would run it. I was never particularly good behind the bar, so I would spend my time up in the kitchen with the wife when it got very busy, mm. and that's where I kind of got into it. But to bring me back to New York... When I came to New York, I wanted to find I wanted to find somewhere that felt like it would fit my ethos, that the, the, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. And there was only three places that I could find. There was um, a company called Ace Naturals, based out in Queens, that sourced organic produce to organic restaurants in the city. There was Dig In, who I suppose were sure. really exploding Adams. and expanding. Um, Adam Eskin's going to be on the show next year. We were hoping to have him on last week, but because he's expanding so rapidly, he wasn't able to find time to yeah. get on. And then there was then there was your company. It was food. It was Food Future. It was Food X actually the one that I was mm-hmm. looking at the most. But I had such a limited experience in. I saw it as being a venture capitalist firm that I thought it was it wasn't something that I could really get myself into. But now that I got the show, I thought instantly, Shen is a guy that I have to have <laughs> on because you really resemble the transition of moving from 
well, you have a whole elective of careers into into food. Yeah, well, the the uh, food uh, uh, the venture capital part is only a small part of it. Is uh, money is very important. In fact, uh, if you look through all the companies that go through uh, accelerators, uh, I would say high ninety percent hell go through accelerators uh, in the hope that they will get uh, not just funding but strategic funding, right? But uh, uh, being an accelerator in general. Which really brings in the the, the the networking, but now especially with future call, where we uh, have a, a delivery quite different from other accelerators, where we have uh, executive consulting. We really have a long program and uh, senior staff working with each company, not in a one size fits all in terms of get the pitch deck ready, uh, uh, get your 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 business plan investment uh, ready. And then base, understand some basics about uh, growth uh, growth curves, but also specifically what each company's challenges within the context of uh, various uh, inflection points of uh, of uh, food sustainable agriculture's uh, shift to uh, to uh, to good food. You know, so so um, we also focus on um, a particular uh, stage. Which we call it scale-up stage. So, for example, all our companies have minimum one million dollar revenue. So that means, uh, especially in in category creators, they're they're usually leader in their own category. Uh, so they're established company, but small, still small, small not just in terms of revenue, but small in terms of compared to their potential to have mainstream impact in whichever areas, innovation areas they're working on. So so that is uh, the uh, using a business school jargon, that's a big chasm, that's a big scary chasm to cross from the acquired uh, a, 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 a customer and thought leadership in early adopters to mainstream. Yeah. And what's your role in, within the two companies at the moment, between FoodX and Food Future? What, sorry? What's your role between the two companies? Uh, I founded uh, FoodX uh, two and a half years ago, uh, and I run uh, three cohorts till end of uh, uh, 2015, when I founded uh, uh, Future Co. And uh, so I'm not running, uh, I'm just a founder, uh, I'm not running uh, FoodX day-to-day, but I'm uh, pretty much exclusively focused on Full Future as uh, accelerator, but also the uh, now 30 plus companies that gone through the uh, the my acceleration programs, uh, and and uh, so we have many years to follow on to uh, to help these companies and find uh, uh, additional investment when they need to, and then keep evolving the network, which is actually possibly the most uh, valuable part of 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 our, what we offer, what we help to the companies. And the networks means uh, advisors, mentors, uh, strategically aligned investors, and last but certainly not least, the alumni network and other founders, which, which is uh, proved invaluable to the, to the individual companies. Yeah, it's pretty inspiring what you're doing, but what's most captivating, and definitely it was for me when I was trying to get to know more about you coming into the show, is all the other guests that I've had, they've kind of come from a split. You know, they've come from one career path into another. Whereas with you, it's not. It's almost like a Shakespearean tale. There's tons and tons of stories. <laughs> Don't hold that against me. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many stories that are running in tandem with each other and they cross paths every now and again. But it's when I, when I, when I tried to give a description as to who you were, I couldn't say 
Shen was a social activist or Shen was a software investor or developer and now is in food because it's not the truth. You're still constantly doing all that stuff. So how do you manage it with, with everything that you're doing at the moment? Well, Patrick, is, first of all, it's a singularity to me. I mean, it's just a one single thing. I, 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 I find uh, I'll take two career paths uh, to, to describe it. So I was trained uh, a philosopher. I was uh, a, a PhD program at Harvard for many years. And, uh, and I also was involved. You mentioned Tenement and Occupy Wall Street, and there's uh, many movement in between I was uh, uh, seriously involved with. And now clearly a joint food movement uh, a little less than three years ago. So all of this, I find, basically I find I, uh, myself really excited and passionate about uh, big and useless ideas. Not useless, <laughs> so, not useless. So I think about uh, really broad questions, and, and, and especially food. Um, you kind of, all, all my previous experiences and uh, trial and errors, mostly errors, most of failures, have come together because for the last decade, Way before I, I, I throw myself 100% into the food movement, I just everywhere I look, it just seems very clear that food agriculture is not just related to, but central to almost all the major challenges we're facing for the coming decades. So it's not, of course, food and beverage itself as, as the most important commodity. It's important. I mean, it's a big market. It's a, and if you include agriculture, it's a $9 trillion market uh, currently in the world. Right? And uh, over 90% of that is wrong, not, not, not sustainable. So it's just gigantic opportunity and gigantic impact. right? But beyond that, you, immediately you, you have health, especially personal wellness part of health. right? And then you have uh, green tech, clean tech. I mean, that part of uh, environmental uh, aspects. Right? Those four things are straightforward. Again, uh, food and beverages, agriculture, health, and environment. But think about education. Think about war, energy, transportation, poverty, gender issues. Food is just central. Food agriculture is central to all those questions. Right? I, I think with probably the exception of space travel and uh, self-driving cars, and this food will be just uh, central to almost all the, basically all the, all the challenges we have. So in a way that, I mean, Mark Bittman once, uh, out of frustration, said, um, you have to fix everything to fix food. Right. And I think for those of us who have been in, in, in the food space, whether as a thinker or a watcher or, or especially a doer, we all had their fair share of that frustration, right? But for me, when I, when I find this uh, formula, when, when I, I kind of discovered or, or follow the right, right uh, uh, um, uh, uh, my inspirations and, and the people who have been on this path early, that I see it the exactly opposite way. I say, when we fix food, we fix everything, Yeah. But what was it that led you to it? Because was it was it working on all these different paths in life that you saw the correlation between food and the connection with food? Or had you grown up where food was, it was inbred in you that it was a very important and crucial factor of life? I watched your TED talk and you said that you've been aware of food for a long time and you spoke of raising your son and how important it was that, that you sit down for dinner together. was So yeah. was that always ingrained in you, that food had... had well, with, with hindsight, a story is always a, a more more coherent, right? But but but, but uh, coming into it, it wasn't... Uh, you know, I was aware of food because, you know, grew up in China uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, there's just this scarcity of food. Even in the capital of a police state like, like China, I, was, I grew up in Beijing, right? It's just, it's just not enough. I mean, it's all, it's all uh, roshan, you know? I mean, we, we, we only eat cabbage and a little bit pork during winter. 
that, right? But but uh, uh, and and being a foodie and just loving food, it's just something uh, you know. I, I I cook since I was very uh, at a young age, all the way through graduate school, and and uh, I, I still have a professional kitchen in my so home. And I, you know, I just, now it's a little bit fancier at the time. So you know, having having uh, chef friends coming over and big parties and, and you got to impress, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I just love it. I just don't have enough. I, I wish I had more time to cook. You know, it's just something that remains to be a, a, a it's like a second nature for me, cooking and touching food and, and, and playing with food and sharing that meal with family. But the the, the, the really the daily reminder that 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 re, uh, that really got me into um, food in in such a in such a concentrated way are my children. I have three young children, and, and being a parent in America is hard. Because we, we now we know the numbers. I mean, there's only around 10 percent of produce that are good food in the marketplace right now, and less than half percent of animal protein that are clean and, and good tasting, and also have other impact, which is sustainable uh, uh, animal protein. You know, so so it's 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 really really difficult that um, uh, whether it's a school lunch or going out on a trip or going just going out to eat, you you know more than 90 percent of food. Would not nurture their body. You 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 will feel their stomach, and so it will kill the the sensation of hunger at the moment, right? But it's high in calorie with negligible nutrients. So in other words, generally they're going to just get fatter and, and wider and, and bigger, but well not nourished. You know, so so and and when I try to pay a little bit of attention to say, well, how do we source food right? Then it's just it's kind of worms. It's just all these issues come. It's really difficult to actually source food that is actually nutritious but and not poisonous. Yeah, the thing that I found most interesting, really, because you raise all the issues that are central to making sure that food is more accessible and it's more democratized and definitely an enterprise, so that people so that it is more accessible for companies to come in and establish themselves in the market. But you're talking about a food movement. You're leading the food movement with your companies. When I was in Ireland, I brought the show to Ireland with me, and I bought. I met two twins called they're Stephen and David Flynn, and they have a company called the Happy Pair. Mm-hmm. Now they're similarly leading a food movement in Ireland. They it started off with the fruit and veg shop, and it grew and grew and grew. Now it's far more expansive, and people are coming to them and visiting their place to have their plant based food to try it. And, and although there's so many things that changing the food system will affect, but I think everybody has to focus on. Not everybody has to, but everyone takes an angle as to what they're going to focus on and the impact mm-hmm. that they want to make the most. Now, your history is obviously in social activism. So there's a very political charge to what you're trying to do with the food. You know, like I've heard you say, each each purchase is a vote. What do you mean by that, that each purchase is a vote? Each purchase is reflective of how you see the food industry or, or how do you feel well, about that? Well, there's, there's, there's a power of uh, uh, purchasing. So uh, we can... Uh, uh, the, uh, um, the the when when we share food when we when we buy produce when we buy uh, protein and and uh, where we eat where we spend our dollars there is a very immediate uh, and direct impact each one of us can make this is actually quite different from 
from uh, uh, representative democracy where you, you, you vote in cycles and you don't have to. A lot of people don't vote, unfortunately, right? But we have to eat every day and, and we can make a difference and, and it's, 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 there's a direct connectedness there. But I, wouldn't, I, would, I don't see my involvement in the, in, in the food movement and, and what I hope for my contribution to food movement much as a political movement. There's, there is, uh, food is inherently political but uh, I, I see a particular opportunity, and shared by my partners, and now you know all these dozens of companies, that that uh, um, it is a we're building a business engine for the food movement, because uh, I mean uh, policy is incredibly important in in change of food or keeping the status quo, uh, which is not sustainable and it's, it's bad for culture, bad for our health, right? But but policy is incredibly important. Cultural advocacy education is incredibly important. Uh, direct political or social movement is, is important. Think of uh, potato workers' uh, protest or for fast food workers' uh, uh, demands for, for higher minimum wage. Right? All of those are important, but there's a unique aspect, of which one, that was lacking a few years ago, and two, is more u- unique and inherent to... Uh, the food space as a commodity, uh, as a commodity business. That is, um, we can go, we can leverage entrepreneurship and innovation, and instead of, uh, or in addition to fighting the current bad practices and systems head on, we could just make it obsolete. You know, we can we can build better practice and and better offering. So so the the way is not so much to educate and advocate and protest. It's more to build something people want, and within that that you can sneak in what we believe is what people need. It's 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 that it's a consumer market mechanism that we can leverage, but with awareness of where we're going. Uh, the, the, the general trajectory of a tastier, healthier, sustainable, uh, uh, and affordable, accessible food. Are you of the belief that to make a stronger impact, it has to start from a grassroots level where you have people on the ground who are making the decisions for themselves, as opposed to pushing and lobbying the government to make the policy changes that some people hope will trickle down to affect the people on the ground? You know, not, not so much as opposed to, but I, I, I just, uh, you know, because I, I've done a few things and failed at many, and I realized that you, you, the, the best I can do is to really try 100% to be good at one thing, not terrible on 12, right? So, so again, I, I see there's four main engines for the change of food, policy, direct democracy, or social movement, uh, 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 cultural and educational uh, 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 push and the business engine. So we're we're really focusing on the whole community of Full Future Co is focusing on building a, a, that business engine, but uh, but also also sharing, if not leading by example. So we can we can only do so much. It's, it's that we have to inspire others and and, and also join forces. With other aspects, like you know, in the cultural aspects, all my food heroes have have have, have trailblazed, and we're really we're really standing on on the shoulder of other giants, people like Dan Barber, people like Michael Pollan, like Mark Bittman, and and the farmers, the nameless farmer, who are not who are not famous yet, but they 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 preserved certain practices that need to be uh, that need to be restored. 
so that uh, you know, our general thesis has been that um, we want to build innovations through entrepreneurial uh, spirit so that the, the smarter systems out there, the two most important ones, resilience of nature, that's nature-centric farming, and uh, the resilience of culture, which is more culinary tradition, can be leveraged so that technology and science and capital le- levers are help and uh, amplifier of those resilient systems. They should be in that, they're very important, but they should be in the right place because we have lost our way in the last half century where we put those things in the center. And then we, we forgot the smarter systems can do so much more than than human play God, than, than, than science and technology by itself. It's incredibly important to have modern communities in science and technology, but they should be used to leverage the resilience of nature and culture. I'm really intrigued about the holistic approach that you've taken to your investment firms, and we're going to go to a quick break. But once we get back, I just want to talk about the approach that you've developed in those companies. New York chefs and restaurants are proud of the food they put on the table. And serving produce that comes from local, environmentally responsible farms is a way to leave an even better taste in everyone's mouth. So when shopping for your ingredients, look for the New York State Grown and Certified Seal. It lets you know which food is grown right, right here in New York State, certifying the food that comes from local farms that meet a higher standard. You'll not only be serving local food, you'll be supporting local farmers. Learn more about the New York State Grown and Certified Program at certified.ny.gov. Welcome back to Why Food. I'm here with Shen Tong, the founder of Food Future Co. and FoodX. So just before the break, we were talking about, I suppose we were talking about your past and where, what you've, what's brought you to here. And now... I want to talk about the, the holistic approach, as I was saying. And one thing that I was... Because I've been thinking about this show now for the past week, and I've been kind of looking at all the the major food investment companies around, or the food the companies that have been invested in, such as Dig In, like Adam Eskin that we've spoken about, a company that I thought about was Sweet Green because they've been getting a lot of investments. And yeah. they're a little uh, too later stage for us. Otherwise, I would have loved to yeah. to, uh, to to invest in them. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but they, but they were. I I don't know if it was a TED talk or if it was another talk. But I heard you discussing about you know investing in something authentic and true as opposed to investing in something that's a chip off of off another model, which is very brave for an investment company because investment companies I'm sure are so bound to following trends so I was in a bar two days ago and I met three guys from Denmark who worked at Joe and the Juice and Joe and the Juice is a place in Soho for anyone who doesn't know and it's a juice bar that was developed in Copenhagen and now finds itself in Asia and Europe and it's come to the States and it just got invested in by General Atlantic, who uh, also have their hand in Uber. And they told me that they're looking to put 80 Joe and the Juice in Manhattan mm-hmm. to expand it that rapidly. 
But when I read an article about it, what I found so interesting was this was the comment by the guy who had just invested in it. It has a broad menu mix that follows key trends in healthy living and convenience, which we think will resonate extremely well with the U.S., that kind of struck me because what they were focusing on there was the fact that it was going to resonate with people as opposed to what you're doing, which is starting something that people may be totally unaware of or people might even, mightn't even realize that will impact their lives. And that's the major difference between what you're doing and someone like General Atlantic is doing and in investing in a healthy company. So you may have someone like Sweetgreen, which isn't necessarily there for the average person because it's too expensive or it's not in their area, whereas what you're doing appears to be far more impactful. And I think that is led by the holistic approach. Well, thank you for 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 that perspective. I mean, I I, I appreciate that confidence and certainty. I actually I'm not quite there yet because I, one we 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 learn from failure. So so we we follow Lin and design thinking methodology. So 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 we, it's more about uh, having a general trajectory, and uh, uh, start doing and learn from mistakes and adjust. You know, aim, fire, and adjust. But but the, the, also the holistic uh, uh, um, framing that how you from from outside looking at what we're doing that that it it, it, it is it is true it's holistic in, in, in several ways one is that uh, tying to the earlier question about political movement versus what we're building this is business engine for change of food that this is not a confrontational movement I mean not from our perspective I mean the social protest and to some extent maybe policy or even cultural advocacy could be confrontational but movement in general need to expect Opposition trend doesn't trend is much more passive, much more transient, and it, you don't have to expand opposition to a trend. But as a movement, it, it, but by the very nature, we should expect opposition. But again, our approach to opposition is not a, 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 a heads on. You know, uh, it's, it's more making the bad practices obsolete. But also, uh, in terms of investment, I mean, there, 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 there are just different ways of approaching it. Following trend is one way, and that's also usually more appropriate to later stage investment. But for early stage investment, in fact, I think more, uh, more impactful venture capital uh, would generally follow this, this, this uh, uh, idea of contrarian but logical. So it makes sense, the logic of having good agriculture, good food, that is not just good in itself, but also have compounded impact in environment and health, is quite established, is well understood. But it's contrarian because uh, scalable businesses currently rely heavily on uh, seed labs, global logistics, uh, large-scale uh, industrial farming, and uh, a large-scale food uh, production focusing on uh, long shelf lives, uh, focusing on only a single factor of output, which is calorie. Right? So, so, so that seems to be the scale. So what's contrarian is that, well, that's one, that's not sustainable. Two, in order to break that mold, the answer is not within that mode. The answer is outside that. Where this, that's why there's this. We're in Brooklyn, right? That, that this food is new black. This is the center of the food universe, right? I think that's so. your favorite quote. Isn't it? <laughs> food is the new black. <laughs> yeah, it's still the new black. I wish I can. I, I hope I can keep saying this for for the next ten years. So 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 that means that there's a highly fragmented, uh, but very very authentic uh, ground up 
movement where where people really just uh, especially for Americans different from Europeans and Asians and we both have that background where this still this amazing white eyed uh, fascination about wow fermentation wow uh, 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 locally produced uh, uh, meat uh, humanely raised hogs and 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 uh, and uh, 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 farms nearby that just taste uh, not only 10 times better, it's just 100 times more vibrant, different. Do you, do you find inspiration when you go to Asia and when you go to Europe to see how the, the food market, you know, obviously it still has its major issues, but it's not as crippled as the US is. Do you find inspiration or does oh, it? Oh, absolutely, yeah? absolutely. When I mentioned that, you know, our, our core thesis, in one way you can describe it, nature, culture, and modern conveniences. So the third one we talk about a lot, money and technology and science are very important, the modern business models. Right? But the culture, we're really referring to um, culinary traditions. So, so this trip to Southern Europe is coming up this, this afternoon, and uh, Buddhist tradition in terms of uh, a protein alternative. I mean, those are just two examples where uh, culinary tradition are, are, are stayed uh, somewhat true to its rules, but also relevant to modern time. That's definitely uh, a, a, a broad source and, and deep source of inspiration for our approach. Basically, we're looking for that authenticity, not only in founder stories and founding stories, which is common as a center, but we're looking for authenticity in terms of connection to the culinary tradition, the chef's approach, and so uh, to, to food. So, so for us, when we look at our mission filters, the first and foremost uh, mission filter out of the six is taste. After that, it's uh, sustainability, accessibility, affordability, health, and then personal communal responsibilities. So it's all about taste is food. So it's to respect our, our taste bud and it respect our body. We're putting things in people's body. We lost our way when we just look at output and calorie because we're not, we're not just a vessel for volume. We have such a robust second brain and primary brain and taste bud. And then we are, like it or not, part of nature. This body is a natural composition, right? So the way we, we primarily relate to nature is through food and culinary tradition have uh, sorted that out over thousands of years in many different cultures. You've spoken before of seeing the light. You see the finish. You see the end line of where it's going to end up. Now, before I ask you how it's going to get there or what the vision is, what's the, what's the greenest light that you've gotten? What's the closest thing that you have in touching distance of making a big change? Because I'm sure there's things such as policy and changing the way that big agri companies operate and the, the finance that they get from the government. What, what are the things that are closest to our grasp to change and make the biggest impact quick? Well, the, the, uh, um, this movement, different from most others have joined, is that uh, the... the uh, the consumers, the general public, have uh, achieved uh, a, such a degree of awareness that uh, uh, we just need to offer what they want. There's not that much uh, 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 education needed. Education needs to be continuous, right? But in general, people are looking for better food, better alternatives. People are really investing time and emotion into touching right food. You know, breaking it down, call it Generation Yum, turn it to Millennial or a Gen Z, uh, a deep, deep city psychological and trendy need of saying, well, we can't break down anything else, whether it's politics or iPhone, right? But this is one thing that matters so much that it's been so bad, but I can touch 
I can I can do something. I can improvise, and I can do wonders. You, you know, just in a, you know in, in my kitchen. Even if if just just taking out of a DIY box, right? So so it's just really interesting. Americans do a lot of things backwards, right? So I want to cook. Instead of going to a market, I just get a box and then do it for seven minutes or forty minutes, right? So so I mean all of that is so that's there, right? People are reading labels. They don't really get the right information. They don't really get the clear answer from label. But they don't stop. They keep reading those labels. So, so we we actually need to、uh, need to move fast. We need to accelerate to really try to fill that void. And you can look at all the market numbers. I mean, why organic stays this high price? It's not because、uh, currently organic is not scale enough to bring the price down. Because eventually organic will be cheaper than the conventional. Well, it's strange to call it conventional. The industrial agriculture and food production organic should be. Uh, cheaper than that, but right now it's a very simple market mechanism. The demand surpasses supplies. That's why organic stays high. So it's not like oh, it's too expensive. Therefore, there's no future. Well, it's too expensive, and there definitely is a future because there's more people want it than the supply. So it's a it's a consumer demand driven, supply constrained opportunity. So that's why focusing on the supply, focusing on making options, focusing on much even more. More highly、uh, fragmented market is a way to really make this major shift. Is there a fear though that with all the efforts in America now to transition it and turn it back to to bring it to its roots and strip away all the big agrit that these guys are moving abroad and they're conquering countries in Asia and、yeah. bringing their Western methods to them that the next step will actually be following a pursuit of trying to go to the different continents and the different countries and reverse. What's happening against their traditions? Do you see an issue yeah, happening? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's Patrick. It's, it's good you you brought all that that perspective. There's a you know we 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 know there's a serious issue with hunger. 850 million people. There's a serious issue with water. About a billion people that doesn't have enough food or clean water today. But there's a one one thing that's even broader. Uh, one problem, even broader than water and hunger problem, that is uh, this uh, peculiar version of、uh, Western diet. There's not really Western. This is this is this fast food and packaged food, basically highly processed food, which is majority of the food out there. Right, and and、uh, so. So those, unfortunately, were often championed by big American companies, European, Asian, also. But you know, but but this is the the the, the large scale trend currently, and then we're we're building a counter trend. The currently, the large scale trend is that any country barely getting out of poverty. First thing they do, the, the farmers and the poor people, they they go to McDonald and they they buy uh, they buy uh, soda, they buy Coca Cola and Pepsi, and it's it's a matter of uh, uh, trendiness and pride. Right, so so that's one trend. The counter trend is that we're here to 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 undo that, to to make to to make a, a, a fast and casual restaurant or home food or or bottle drinks good again. Right. So in 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 other parts of the world, those two trends are, are happening. It's very interesting. For example, following the Obama's visit to Cuba. There's such an interest uh, uh, trend in、uh, into Central America, where food is happening two ways: organic export from those areas because the grounds and soils are not depleted, right? And but meanwhile, the the highly processed food import into the area. So both trends are are happening over there. It's brutal to see it happening like that. It, just going back to when I lived in France, and you know, I went to France, and my mind was blown when I would go to the markets and. I would get to stand beside French people cooking and start to understand their passion for food and wine, 
but at the same time, between the hours of two thirty and uh, seven, no, between the hours of two thirty and five, you couldn't get food anywhere in Toulouse because it was so rooted in its traditions that all the restaurants would close for those hours, so you couldn't get any food. So McDonald's, I think at that time when I was living in France, we looked it up. France was the biggest booming country for McDonald's in the world, and you could see that when we were going when we were going watch Champions League games on the weekdays. There was TVs everywhere that would sell Heineken. So everybody, instead of going to bars, would go to McDonald's. You'd get your fries, you'd get your burgers, and you'd sit there all night and watch the games. Then you'd go there the next day when you were hungover. And it was just the trend that was yeah, following. But in a way, you, we can even look at that and, and see hope, not more than hope, sustaining trend and the real movement forward, which is that if you look at the last 50 years, as food movement just getting, getting into large scale and volume, calories output right the next 50 years you'll get food good again you know so modern coming itself is not a problem it's losing our way of putting science and technology and modern communities at and uh, and franchise chains and logis- global logistics central kitchen in the center forgetting culinary tradition which is again not just tradition cultural tradition it's it's very smart system on how to make the best out of what nature produces, right? So then it's nature. It's nature, culinary tradition. So look at our companies. I mean, they're, 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 they're now reviewing, uh, after reviewing now nearly 3,000 companies and, and really work very closely with really highly innovative uh, superstar entrepreneurs. Um, in Now I, I think I have 33 companies in the portfolio, the agriculture and food portfolio. So, so there's, uh, you know, there, you know it, it's not the hard work uh, uh, which which is exciting by itself, but it's really what their tractions have shown that they the capturing the cultural shift and behavioral shift uh, among the consumers, uh, among the, the the general public, but but shifting that so 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 the interest in in packaged food and in uh, fast food chains even that can be shifted. Uh, and and people are doing that. That's why the the, the new chains are, are. I mean, even Chipotle, which is an earlier example, right? It's doing. You, know, you compare Chipotle and McDonald's, you can see the shift, right? So again, it's 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 uh, general public uh, driven but supply constraint. In other words, that if if we build it, people will definitely come. They line up without even knowing where and when it's going to be built. And with your with your focus on you know the all encompassing aspects of food and the impact that it has on the environment and culture and everybody else, is there a pigeonhole that you try to avoid of saying you know not vegetarian, not necessarily paleo or any of those things? What's your approach to those diets? Do you just treat it as going back to nature, or do you advocate for a vegetarian diet? Or the, for the pigeonhole, uh, or I mean, we're, 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 uh, and, and categorically, uh, we try to avoid trend. Actually, you know, and and in terms of where we start, right? Uh, the the there's that's one aspect, right? Because we want to be contrary, we want to be ahead of the curve. I mean, it's it's a tall order, but but that's the intent. That there's a methodology to that, right? The other thing is that we generally stay. I call it we stay above cell level, so we want to be as whole whole as whole food as possible. Right, so the the, uh, the GMO is here to stay, and and uh, the, the 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 pure food tech in many different ways, and 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 using jingang is just one of one of them. Highly processing of food, uh, 
probably will have a place uh, continuously in the food and agricultural world, whether we like it or not. I don't have a particular ideological idea and opinion about it, but our approach, again, trying to be good, get good at one thing, not terrible on 12, is to really look at how to, the best way, not doing away with modern conveniences, refrigeration, transportation, packaging, keeping it fresh, keeping it safe, right? But to, to use all of that to try to preserve as much as possible the wholesomeness of what nature and the culinary tradition produce. So, so I mean, those will be the two, two major categories we try to avoid. Yeah. Is the food industry, has it got a prosperous outlook in the eyes of Shantung? Uh, has it got a prosperous outlook? Do you see a bright future from your eyes with what you see, with who you're involved in? Oh, absolutely. Better. You know, I, I got three young kids, I got to pay their bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, but I do. I mean, this is, uh, this is uh, you know, I tell you, Patrick, it's not just uh, all these theories, and, uh, but more importantly, it's on, on a daily basis working with these uh, entrepreneurs and seeing their traction. I mean, just like uh, I feel the same uh, excitement in terms of day to day. Interaction with uh, with the market, with with the potential customer, with partners, just like twenty years ago when I when I started my first uh, software company, is that kind of uh, that kind of a velocity, that kind of uh, uh, that kind of acceleration. But more than anything else, it's really that food people are just happy people, you know. And uh, and when, it's, when things are things are really happening, and there's a really bright future, and there's a huge job to do because again, over ninety percent of food that can and should should be changed for better food, right? And and it's just uh, you know different. Partially, is inherent in in the fact that we're building solutions people want, not not confronting, not not uh, not taking that approach as important as that approach is in the food movement. We're not doing that, but also part of it is just inherent in food agriculture. Food brings people together and makes people happy. So this is not a confrontation movement. This is kind of a delicious and happy movement. A delicious and happy movement. Gen, can you, or Shen, pardon me, can you please tell me what the food industry has given you since you've joined it, I suppose, since you've officially joined it with the companies? Uh, well, it, it gives me a lifelong uh, 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 hope and wish and be turning it that into a reality, which is I often, I always wondered my, 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 what I have to do to work, to, to, to build businesses, and what I love to do, uh, which is uh, making impact and, and, uh, and living a life that is a little bit larger than yourself. And, and so, so in, in, uh, through, through what I'm doing now, I can see, and I live it every day, that you can do well by doing good. You're so inspiring, thanks man. To, uh, thanks to the food movement. Thanks very much for joining me on My Food Show. I'd like to be here. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. You've achieved so much, and I really can't wait to see what, the, what both of the accelerators are going to do in the future. I'll definitely fingers be crossed. It. Yeah, fingers crossed for everyone. Thank I you, think. Patrick. Um, and thank you to the wonderful people at Heritage Radio Network for giving me the opportunity to make this show. It's an incredible platform to communicate and engage with people in the food industry. If you want to listen to more shows or learn more about the network, please visit heritageradionetwork.org. Thank you to the great David Tadashore for producing today's show. I got his name right. Yes. Uh, thank you. For <laughs> He's got a tricky last name. Um, and thank you so much to you for listening to the show. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by emailing whitefood at heritageradionetwork.org. And if you did enjoy the show, please rate and review the show on iTunes or Stitcher. It makes a massive difference. 
Next week, I'll be talking to Ali Shaper from Brooklyn Onology. She was previously an engineer and left her position 10 years ago to change the world of wine here in the East Coast. So should be another very interesting show. Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 